Yo, welcome back to another episode of the Tapehead Massacre Podcast. I'm one third of the show. My name's Caleb. I'm Tyler. I didn't die. I'm back. He's if alive. You guys missed, if you guys missed me, I missed you. If you didn't, fuck off, dude. I'm back. <laughs> I don't care. I don't matter. Anyway, I'm two thirds. Uh, I'm the final third. I'm Chris. And uh, yeah, we're excited to be back talking all together, all three of us. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a few weeks since we've all been chatting together. I think it's been shit, Ty. It's been two episodes since you've been here. So yeah, I think three. Back. Has it been I think three? So. Well, it was, so did, was Casey. Well, oh, Frank too. Frank too, and then Barbarian and, technically because so that was Barbar- three. Barbarian was kind of like a sneak episode, though. So really, it's been like two weeks officially. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, man, it's been a. Uh, you know, I'd like to say I've been doing cool things these last three weeks. Like I've been traveling the world and and whatnot. But in reality, I've done none of that. I've done housing projects, and that's the, I got. I may have gotten the vid. I never really got it checked, but I did have a fever. I do know that much, and that put me out it for a weekend. It was all a fever dream. It was all a fever dream, dude. Uh, that included sharding a few times, dude. I sharded at least three times. And do you talk about? I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, a couple times. Uh, but dude, there's nothing more ego deflating than 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 shit in your pants. I, I really, oh, yeah. I don't think there is. Like, if you thought you had any pride in you, when when you shit yourself, you're just like, oh, dude, just put me in a diaper and like. You know, rock me to sleep because yeah. You know, did you to- instantly like run to get cleaned up, or did you like sit and you were like wallowing in it? Great question, Chris, and I and I got a great answer for that. The first time, absolutely yes, I ran. Okay. The second and third time, especially the third time, I just kind of accepted the fate. I was <laughs> like, I don't even know how to keep this in me anymore. It was yeah. just like a river runs through it to quote a Kevin Bacon movie from the nineties. All right. That's, that's what it was. I, you know, luckily my furniture didn't pay the price nor anything around me paid the price, but certainly, uh, I was like, this is, this is where we're at. We're just, we just, we be shitting. We, we just, be we be shitting. Bro. We be well, that's uh, that's good, man. I'm glad that you were able to have some time to shit yourself and do some stuff around the house, and uh, you know, just overall, just really just soaking it all in, you know. Dude, productive. I will say though, I've been, I've been. Well, now we're in spooky season officially with October, but I mean, I count September. I count even like late August as the start of it, frankly. But yes. I did catch up on some horror movies, some good, some not. When we talked about X right before the. Yeah, episode the kicked best off year so far. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I won't give too much away, Caleb. I know you said you haven't seen it still, I right? Seen it, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it does two things. 
uh, creepy old people sexually and eyes. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Okay. And it left me uncomfortable, but I'm very excited for Pearl now. I want to I want to watch. Well, watch let me the get let me story. get caught up. Let me get caught up on X. Is it like for free streaming on Prime? I rented it. Okay, I that's what I thought. Frankly, I did not peruse a ton to find all my I'm options. I'm pretty sure it's just for rent or purchase right now. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, it, it did just come out this year, so it was like five ninety nine to rent. So okay, if you got if you got a uh, What's the Seis Dolores? Yeah, you're in there. Yeah, you're in there. You got it. So. Did you notice? I don't want to spoil anything because Kev hasn't seen it. But did you see the swinging dick? <laughs> All right. That was, my, that, was my, that was my favorite part. So me and, my, me and my buddy TJ, he was here. He watched it with me, and it took like three and a half to four seconds for us to go. Oh shit! <laughs> by the way, played by. Kid Cuddy, which still boggles my mind. Wait, that's you Kid see, Cuddy? You, can that's, you see Kid Cuddy's dick? You you see you see like a shadowy figure. It's like the ghost of Kid Cuddy's dick. But that's <laughs> but that is that's Kid Cuddy. It took I didn't me know that. Damn, my, my buddy TJ's he's like a hip hop head and he's like, dude, I think that's Cuddy. And I was like, I know he's involved in the film and in Pearl, but I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even realize it was the him. The lonely loner seems to predispose. <laughs> dude, that's a, yeah, that was it, dude. And he was he was freeing he was freeing some brains. We'll yeah. say that like it was sick. Fooling out there. Hey, yeah. Well, fuck yeah. I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you caught up on some good swinging dick films. Because uh, there's one thing that we love on this podcast. It's 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 gore. It's boobs, and it is hanging dick. It's swinging yeah. swing. swing dick, hanging brain, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's yeah, there. You know, Fucking turkey, it, man. Turkey. I've been watching a lot of action movies lately because uh, I have that fucking... Uh, oh, that pack? Yeah, I got this here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Yeah, nice it just came <laughs> <broke> on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's sweet, right? Yeah, the lighting Good is word, not man. doing it justice. Uh, I'm trying to get this on camera, but it's just completely I see Chuck Norris. Out. Yeah, you see Norris. Say. You can't miss that. It's all Chuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I just came out of the abyss. Um, yeah, oh, hi. <laughs> it's your old hi. pal Caleb from yeah, the we're, pur- uh, purgatory. We're, we're having fun with this here uh, Zoom session. I've figured some stuff out. As you see, there's a cool background featuring yours truly um, all painted up um, for you YouTubers that uh, haven't seen this on our socials. There's a pretty cool design done for us by Crayoon on Instagram. Um, shout out to Crayoon. So, uh, but yeah, I have this um, Bombs, Babes, and Blockbusters of Canon Films. It's a 10-pack collection set. It has Missing in Action, Invasion, USA, Cobra, Delta Force, Master of the Universe, Over the Top, Bloodsport, The Hitman, Hellbound, and Electric Boogaloo. There's some swinging dick in that set somewhere. Oh, there's definitely, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, dude, Cobra's just so funny because it's just like, I I just... uh, Put it up on my letterbox, and it was like, if you want to see Stallonery at its best, then Cobra is the one. So Cobra is the one. Well, and you guys know I don't I don't vibe with action movies a ton, but I will say, in the last three weeks, I watched two action movies, and I got love for both of them. The first, I lo- I, I watched it on a Wednesday because I was like, I want some mind numbing eighties action, and I was like, I'm gonna go top of the bill, like standard which was roadhouse i've never oh, seen dude. roadhouse Hell yeah, beginning man. to end patrick Dude, swayze action 
fucking hilariously good. Like yeah, the Vinegar Syndrome you, release too. The, oh no way! For real? Yeah, they're putting out Roadhouse on 4K. Oh, that's sick, sick dude. I, have I to scoop that. I would, I would definitely buy that because. <laughs> well, see, movie, Tyler, dude. that's why you have to watch these action flicks. Like I'm telling you, bro, I'll let you borrow this and just like go through these, man. Like Bloodsport is so sick. Invasion USA is a sick Norse film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Missing in Action One and Two. I have both of them on tape. Uh, they're great, like action movies. But it's just the thing is, is that they're just like so over the top with like explosions and yep. you know just like naked chicks. And then especially once you get into like the Stallone like yeah. universe those are the ones that are like it's just a guy yeah. running around with cte basically too much head trauma <laughs> yeah like, i mean that's basically what you get it's like you know blood sports a sick one cobra uh you got the rambo series obviously yeah and i've you seen know. I've seen Rambo. I've only seen the first Rambo. I haven't seen. Was there? How many is there? Three, four, seven. So there's three of the original. There's Rambo. Then there's Rambo. Last Blood Six. Damn! Holy shit! Another one I watched that's actually like just flat out good from beginning to end. It came out in the early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. Is the Professional? Oh yeah, Leon. Yeah. Oh, Leon the Professional, dude. Oh my god, Gary Oldman in that movie. Absolutely love him, dude. That that from beginning to end. I watched that probably about a week ago. And I Christ, I've watched that movie probably 25, 30 times at this point. Yeah. But yeah. so good. Yeah, that's so a good, good one, man. We actually just watched uh, Hocus Pocus 2 the other night. Nice. Speaking um, of action. Speaking of action. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's good. It's good. You guys are familiar with the original, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, so yes. definitely give this a watch. It's good. Um, it's got a lot of nostalgia factor to it. Kind of gives you an origin story of the Sanderson sisters. Um, it gives you like a backstory to some things that like you didn't really need a backstory, but like kind of just adds a little bit of like flair. Mm-hmm. And then it gives like a really good modern spin, um, you know, to the films as well. Now, here's a real question, you guys. Sarah Jessica Parker, is she hot or is she not, dude? Because I go back and forth on it all the time. And like I could point to areas where Sarah Jessica Parker has been hot, but I can also point to like absolutely I like, not. I think I think that she is. Um and like even now, like she's looking good. Looking good? Looking yeah, good. she's looking good. Um I, I mean I like she was just never my never like, the type. Never but yeah, like I, I went through like a little thing um, where I was stuck on watching Sex in the City. There you go. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just not into her. I liked her in Footloose, like a young Sarah Jessica Parker in Footloose, dude. She's just, yeah. she loves to dance. Something you know? about it. Something about it, dude. Just, it hits the right kind of nerve, you know? But yeah, Hocus Pocus, man. Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town, they're kind of the, they're the twofer. They're the yeah. package deal. This yeah, definitely for like the family oriented uh, Halloween flicks. Um, speaking of Halloween flicks, holy shit. Here we go. Here we first go. one of the night. First one. Five weeks <laughs> in the evening. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, dude, come on, relax. Yeah. Right, I'm just, just to... We're 20 <laughs> minutes in, dude. Yeah, come on, bro. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sarah Jessica Parker bore you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, coming up on the 16th of October um, a live broadcast in person um, doing a curated movie night uh, on my projector. 
I don't know how my tape didn't show through, but somehow my fucking guitar is like over my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how this is happening. But uh, so I'm curating two films. We're talking since we're on the subject of Halloween movies. Um, one of the films is going to be The Barn. Uh, I just, you know, that was, we're going to have the director on at some point. We still in contact with him, Tyler and I actually, Chris, you were there too. We, we all met him at uh, monster mania. Good dude. Um, but yeah, we're going to be showing the barn and the mutilator, not a Halloween movie, but it is fall break. So um, technically accurate seasonally speaking. Yeah. So I, uh, I wanted to keep the mojo up. Plus that's like a good new and old, um, you know, I don't know which one I'm going to start with first, but uh, maybe the mutilator and then uh, go into the barn afterwards, kind of go old to new. But yeah, we'll be doing a live broadcast there. I hope both of you gentlemen will be able to to make it out. It's a Sunday evening. Uh, it's in Clayton, which is pretty close to you guys. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Um, and uh, yeah, listeners, you'll be able to tune in. It's going to be a bunch of friends. Going to have a few bands not playing, but they'll just be there watching it. They're going to be playing stuff. during the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't hear it. It's just the, you know. the live orchestra playing the score for each film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Fall break uh, and a pop punk breakdown. <laughs> so that'll be fun. That's on the 16th of October. So it won't be next episode, but the one after. Yeah, because next episode is the 9th. So mm-hmm. my birthday for you party. listeners. Say again? Which is my birthday party. Uh, yes. With family. Nice. Oh, wait, your birthday is October 9th? The 17th. Oh, shit. Okay. I was going to say, my dad's ninth. Well, then we'll, have, we'll make the 16th a birthday party for you as well. Chris Palooza. That's what we'll do. Since your birthday is the 17th, we'll do we'll do Tapehead Massacre Presents Chris's birthday. I'll make jungle so, juice. Maybe maybe I can maybe I can take back one of my films, and then you can... No. Uh, please, I, listen, man, I haven't seen The Barn. Um, so perfect opportunity. I also haven't seen, which I think is the same director, 1031, right? Yes, you saw that. You were familiar with that. I've right? seen it, but I, I'm like, I've, I've, I know what the movie is. Yeah, I've never watched it. Yeah. Nice. Well, we watched The Barn because we were going to review it at one point. We were. We were going to have the director on, but I think there was just yep. some issues with scheduling and stuff. I think he was like super busy with like conventions and things. So I, I didn't really want to have an episode on the film without being able to have him on to, to mm-hmm. talk about it, especially since he said that he would. He just needed to be, you know, worked around his schedule. So, yeah. but we'll reach out to him, um, you know, maybe closer to Halloween. Maybe we can actually talk. The film, because by the way, preface this: the episode for the 16th isn't going to be a review of the barn or the mutilator. It's just going to be more or less just like fun, um, like partying, and uh, we're going to do like a video broadcast as well on Twitch. Uh, I'm going to get this whole thing set up. It's going to be looking and sounding good. Um, we'll have everything ready to go earlier in the day, so that way it's a bing, bang, boom at nighttime. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to finally use my project. I mean, I've, I've used my projector before, but I haven't used the screen yet. So I'm excited to actually have it all set up. And they have a big ass backyard and um, I'm going to bring speakers and stuff. And we'll have speakers set up. So we'll actually like, it'll sound good, look good. Nice. So. And then Chris, for you, Clayton, Core 3 breweries there in Clayton. That's like the right one I'm um, heading into Glassboro, right? 
Yes, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Actually, yeah, I passed that before. Yeah. Dude, they got this honey kolsch. Oh, oh. oh. So good, dude. And it's like from natural. It's from the bees, dude. All right. Save the bees. Oh, guys. from the bees. Save, Save the bees. Wiggler, covered <laughs> bees. Dude, I just watched. Can I also say, watched, rewatched Little Nikki two nights ago. And I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not, because it is a Halloween movie, but I really fucking enjoy it. Hubie Halloween. Dude, Hubie it. Halloween fucking rules. I don't give Dude, a shit what rips. anybody says. If it you don't rips. like Hubie Halloween, unsubscribe from our show. All right. And that's, Curtis, and that's courtesy of Hubie Dubois. All right. Hubie Dubois. All right. He's just out here <laughs> trying to keep you safe. And everyone in that goddamn town is a dickhead. Dude, that's <laughs> it. Except for the, the one. Nice Very, <laughs> here's the problem in that movie i can't unsee it like what's her name from modern family i can't I forget. I, I forget but she's like this like model good looking blonde and like hubie dubois kind of borderlines on down syndrome yeah. <laughs> a little bit like a little bit. there is a little there's a little touch of downs in it hey, just about, like you about sophia Vergara? no 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 oh, no not her not i haven't her, seen the, uh, Halloween, so. oh dude you oh, gotta watch dude. that man it's the spooky season that's definitely on it's, my list yeah. to watch i mean it's 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 dumb, but it's oh, so yeah. funny. It's oh, so yeah. funny. It's just yeah. pure. It's Adam it's, Sandler. It's literally I mean, everything Adam has ever done all into one. You get your, you get your, <laughs> and your, you get all of that all in one. All right, you get it so, all. You, do. you get it all. You get every version of Adam in this one. So. You get the uh, you get the O'Doyle reference at one point in that yeah. movie as well. Uh-huh. So. You know, he he harkens about Shaquille O'Neal's in it for some reason. <laughs> like, he was in uh, Grown Ups too. Well, there there you go. Yeah, so yeah. Steve Buscemi's in it. Oh, Rob yeah. Schneider's in it. I mean, all the, the it's all the homies. Yeah, all the homies. All the yeah. homies. Yeah. But it's so, it's good. It's good. But yeah. uh, let's see. Um, let's talk uh, one topic we haven't talked in a few episodes because it's kind of just been. Um, a different ship these last couple episodes. Uh, let's uh, let's talk music. We haven't talked music in a little while, and that's something that um, recently I've been getting into a lot of some 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 cool stuffs and uh, some 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 cool things. That being said, um, I'll go first and I'll talk about it right now. I actually just started listening to it today. It is the new Glitterer record, and I believe it came out uh, today. Yeah. Mm, yeah, because Apple Music was like new release from Glitterer. Uh, for listeners that don't know, uh, Glitterer is Ned Russin from Title Fight's new band. Um, uh, in the past, his stuff has been very, very like experimental synth pop. Uh, with his last record, which was like through the shade red something I, don't know, I forget what it was yes. but there's a red record with like a curtain on it um that album became like more like structured and it had some like really solid production on it and this new record it's like a five song ep super fucking cool um very in the vein of like pity sex and uh cloakroom a little bit has some like synth elements in there as well and uh, the vocals are just super on point um but yeah definitely highly recommend uh checking that out and then total other side of the spectrum in terms of sound um a band called vermin womb uh super super fucking heavy band and very like blackened metal uh if you guys are into that kind of stuff 
Blackened. Uh, I like that. Very, kind of like uh, a. Are they Cajun? They might be. Uh, it's yeah, possible. Like blackened, like a blackened cod. Yeah, like know. a blackened I cod. Went, I just went to New Orleans a couple couple months ago, so you I did, had a lot yeah. of blackened food. Yeah, very also, tasty. got to shout out the homies for uh, for a second. Um, the homies in Goalkeeper, uh, local pop punk band from Philadelphia here, uh, just released uh, two new songs, uh, Sooner and Car Wreck. Um, if you guys are fans of pop punk, uh, they are straight up your mother freaking alley. So make sure you guys go stream those. Uh, Chris, I'll turn this one over to you. Have you been listening to anything new or revisiting anything old? Um. I mean, honestly, I feel like as I get older, when I drive, I put on podcasts. Same. That's usually Um, what I do. Yeah. So I don't really like stay super. Okay. So, Um, but if if you're not really like, check what's some podcasts you've been listening to? Well, not. Oh, I do have a couple. So like every time, every every October, I tend to dip back into Ice Nine Kills. Okay. So I've been blasting the Silver Scream Two. Welcome to Horrorwood again um that's probably my most listened to album in the last year since it's been out not even not even a year since it's been out um but we actually talked about this lat with tyler last time in person um the wonder years finally dropped their mm-hmm. album, uh the hum goes on forever and yes. i feel like i'm getting older with soupy their lead <laughs> vocalist so more so than true. ever more than ever their songs are connecting with me um, in a weird emotional way and uh, a lot of people don't love the direction the Wonder Years have gone in over the years um, but this album is a perfect combination just be ready because it's 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 a hard punch of an album like it's very emotional it's very different for them um, but it's fantastic I gotta agree man I think uh, that record yeah absolutely I feel like they kind of trailed off uh, I forget the. I can't even remember the, la- the name of the last record they came out with, but uh, it's kind of a combo of the two. But you're right, dude. Soupy, lyrically speaking, Soupy's the best in that whole genre, especially like the post 2010 pop punk movement. Easily yeah. the best lyricist, and absolutely, I have to agree. Yeah, that, be, that, that album was uh, Sister Cities, the one you Sister Cities, yeah, yeah. Which I it didn't do too too much for me, but you know, band's got to evolve, right? But yeah, the, the what's because the new album's called the Hum is the Hum goes on forever. The hum goes on forever. Yeah, but nah, dude. Soupy's Soupy's lyrics are otherworldly, man. They're so good, so good. Yeah. And I tend okay. to like. I had a playlist on the other day when I was doing some yard work, and some some albums from like uh, Suburbia from the, you know Suburbia. I've given you every. Is that the name of the album? Suburbia. I've given you. Suburb. Yeah, I've given you. I've given you all and now I'm nothing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So some songs from that came on and then like, I'm not sad anymore. Melrose Diner kept coming on the playlist. And I was, uh, like, yeah. I was like, damn dude, Wonder Years had was such a, a peak back then. And the thing is, it's funny is when I listen to those songs now, I always, I always, I'm always like, man, they complained a lot like back in the day, but now I listen to oh them God. and I'm like, Nanny's album, t- these, these lyrics hit a little bit of different nowadays, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, and they've also like, Talk about that era of Wonder Years, I and mean, that was straight pop punk, like as pop punk could be. Yeah. But like, I still think their Magnus Open, if you will, is like the greatest generation. I think that record kind of sums them up. My least perfectly. favorite album by them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that record. Oh yeah. man! Um, but I can see it. I can see it. Um, 
Yeah, but no, this last record, man, I think it's like a perfect encapsulation of beginning yeah. to end there, you know? Yeah, that's really all I've been outside. I listen to the same handful of podcasts and I don't ever sway. I just tend to like stay in that weird alley. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I think podcasts are definitely a hard thing to like. I, I wouldn't say it's a hard thing to find new ones, but like you find your couple and you kind of keep them in rotation. Um, so at least that's how I am. So I'm very thankful to all you listeners that keep us in your rotation. Um, it is wild to think of how many of you check back with us every week and hear what we have to say and appreciate what we have to say and tune in and all you followers on Instagram and all that good jazz. So it's all, it's all fucking rad, but, um, tie guy, what you been listening to? Let's see. So some some revisiting, some new. Uh, I just posted it today on Instagram. As a matter of fact, it's uh, always it's the October. It's the fall. It's getting cold. It's raining. Record. It's it's the turnover peripheral vision, man. You, yeah. you go back to it every time. It, if there is a record that encapsulates my depressive state, always it's that record. That record yeah. does it so well. I still think it's a masterpiece. It'll be. It'll be uh, it'll be indie lore in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years probably. Yeah, yeah I can get um, that. Yeah, it's it's a great record. So I'm back on that again. Um, what else have I been listening to recently? So I've been still bumping since they came out with it in June. The No Pressure record uh, story so far is Parker Cannon's side project. I think as far as that skate punk, pop punk of the late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, it's 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 right where you want it to be if you're. Yeah if you're into that then I mean it it hits uh, and Parker actually seems like rejuvenated by it because if you watch any of the stories so far of probably the last four or five years he's just not into it at all um, although if you guys are interested in like public spats and feuds between band members Parker Cannon and former bassist Kellen Kappner Kap- I think his name is Kellen's been shitting on Parker for like the last three or four months which is pretty funny talk about a guy surprisingly who hasn't been been me too'd and Parker Cannon. I feel like he's he'd be a guy who's primed for that type of stuff. Yeah. But murders <laughs> them when he's done. Yeah, that's it. That could be it, dude. There could be a there could be a whole horror arc happening with him, and we have no idea. It's possible. <laughs> but it's definitely possible. Um, so I, I've been bumping those two records, and then it's just kind of songs here and there. Uh, another band that just kind of came back on the radar, and it was. You know how you have bands or songs that come and you're like, holy fuck, I forgot this thing existed. Yeah. And that's uh, the band Crooks. Oh, UK. yeah. Crooks UK. And they have yep. uh, a, few, a few Peaceful Days, Shown Seal. There's a couple others in their lineup that I've been listening to recently. Same applies to, and Caleb, I know you hate them, but goddamn, I love the side project, Boxcar Racer. Uh, I've. I'm a, I'm a Tom Del- If I had to pick anybody from Blink-182, and I, can, I can't really listen to Blink-182 anymore, but except for their... And about the state, take your, take off your pants and jacket records. But I love Tom DeLonge. I don't know what it is. He does it for me. Uh, I like the I like the sound of Boxcar Racer. It's like if Angels and Airways were heavier. I can see Been that. bumping them. Been bumping yeah. them. And then outside of that, oh, the new Regulate album. Um, Regulate's a hardcore band uh, out of I think they're from Cali. I'm pretty sure. I believe. Um, check them out. Fun. It's got a lot of groove to it. Uh, it's, it's fucking, I forget what the record's called, so I'm gonna have to fucking get back to you guys on that one. But you know, it's there. It's a good time. It's a fun listen. So outside of that, and then I've been doing kind of the old like 04 to 2011, like 
there's that emo metalcore wave mm. that basically yeah. the peak of our the peak of our youth, if you will. Yes. I've been yes. I've been on that run. The early November is a band that comes to mind. I've been bumping the early November quite a bit, which is don't usually do. So that's uh that's the fun in my world, guys. Well fuck yeah, man. Let's uh now that we got all the music and jazz out of the way, let's talk our featured film. Everybody here listening in the uh podcast universe, you already know what we're talking about. People here on the YouTubes, uh, you already know what we're talking about because it's in the description, it's the title of the video. We are talking random acts of violence. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) What a transition. Making sure staring me right in the eyes. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I I felt this was a fitting poster just because uh you know the good old director jay baruchel is uh right front and center and that's a little little fun fact for this one he stars and directs this film and wrote this film actually so it's very cool to uh have two worlds collide that being comedy and horror you know and having um you know just these these two people that <laughs> I'm having way too much fun with these these video effects the, the entire yeah. rest of this episode you're just literally rotating <laughs> around just us rotating, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. in circles um, but yeah I think that uh, Jay fucking killed this fucking film um, and it was really I don't want to dive too far into it as of right now but it's just very unique seeing a comedy icon direct and produce or not produce but direct and write such an amazing work of horror um also to reference jordan peele uh for that as well it's just cool that these worlds collide you have you know uh key and peele you know have their comedy stint and Jordan Peele goes off and directs and writes Get Out, you know, and that was just like fucking <clears throat> mind blowing, you know, but also was still funny too. And for those level who, of comedy. And for those who don't know Jay Baruchel or don't know the name offhand, he is, I mean, at least from my purview of him and my knowledge of him, I mean, number one, he stands out for, and he's kind of a side character in a couple Seth Rogen films, if you've seen him, like, for instance, Knocked Up is a, is a good example. Yeah. Um, he's one of the housemates alongside Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen. And uh, oh, what the hell is his name? I think Jason Siegel's in that movie, if I'm not mistaken, as well, I believe. Uh, yeah, he is. I think he is. He's also in um, This Is The End, which, quite frankly, good October movie to watch. As it far is. as comedy is concerned, it's kind of... It, it bleeds into the horror fuse. This movie, though, I think what's interesting about Jay is because you know him as a comedic element. He's also a lead in like a like a rom com. She's out like, of my league. She's out of my league. That's exactly it. That's, that's my like league. my yeah. main thing that I know him from. Yep. Yeah. So he's. I mean, there's there probably the three that he would be most known I think to, to any listener here and then hey, who knows? You might have some deeper cuts that people know too. But this movie really. In in its at least my first watch of it because today was my first watch of it. Not a ton of comedy. Like there's no. some in the in the dialogue, but it's very very few. Very so few. this for listeners that are familiar with our past episodes. This is one of those successful attempts at a serious horror movie where it's 
not something that tries to be serious, fails and becomes funny. It's right. not something that has comedy in it, like intentional comedy. This is straightforward, a violent horror movie. And we we learn um, in the beginning that this is a very comic strippy style movie as the movie opens up with the opening credit scene and the um the little like closed captions uh done via comic style on the screen with these quotes that we come to find out are from uh the lead who is played by jesse williams todd yeah this is his like new script that he's writing Um, he's writing a comic book yeah 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 not script but new new comic book this is yeah he's writing the the last the ending of his comic book series called slasher man yeah yep which is loosely actually you could argue it's even tightly based off of the real killings in that film what i think is interesting about that and what i think makes this film unique out of these type of movies is the play in from the comic book world that they do bring in which i think is a unique element chris i don't know for you and and caleb too even but the the thing i noticed with this film right off the bat is the color palette that it uses of the pink the pink purples and blues a la mandy that's what it reminds me of now i can't remember offhand if mandy came before or after it but some of how that color play is and how it's even filmed to some degree where there's like a lot of that color and shadow play happening at times there was like hints of it that did remind me of mandy at least just right off the rip anyway but yeah it, it's a it pretty cool, cool. Like, it's a really sleek um movie like you can obviously tell it's not the biggest um, budgeted film, but for what they had, which I don't know the budget offhand, I can actually find out. So 3.5 million estimated. Um, it, it shot really well and it really uses a cool color palette. Um, more particularly in like, I love the, what would I guess be described as the first killing in the movie with the headlights on the van. Yeah. Um, yep. Even like the red and blue of the police lights in the hotel room when Todd wakes up after an incident that we'll met, that we'll talk about. Um, but it, it, like the junkyard too, the junkyard's kind of blue. Everything yeah. blue, yeah. and then the house is red at the end. It's a lot of like really cool color play. Yep, agreed, agreed. And even like I even get hints of you know, especially with the truck and kind of his whole getup, like. I had hints of like if you've ever seen Joyride with oh, uh, yeah, Joyride. You know, yeah. yeah, that's even like hints of that, especially in that first that first kill scene, which is super yeah. brutal. Very, very in your face. It does not hold back at all. This um, um Yeah. No, not to cut you off. Yeah, you're good, you're good. Go ahead, go ahead. I I'm I'm terrible. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey! <laughs> I got something to say. No, uh, there's been a lot of people um, either on our Instagram um, and also friends in person that have. There's number two. There's number two. There we go. (laughs) Um, A lot of friends that have, uh, you know, 
I've been asking questions and stuff about the podcast and everything. And obviously we're in official spooky season. It is October 2nd as we're recording this. Um, it'll be October 3rd as you're listening to this. So, or, or maybe later in the week, depends on how you listen to your shows, but this will be released on the 3rd of October tomorrow. So anywho, uh, friends have been asking um, some good stuff to check out. And honestly, this has been the first thing I say. Um, and it has been that way for the last, like, probably year mm-hmm. when somebody asks for like a really fucked up film uh this is the one and i think it all correlates to the look there's number three damn it i think it all correlates to the the three um i guess young adults that get killed uh in the minivan with the the the, the popped tire which could be deliberate at this point we don't know um, but yeah, they, uh, they're cruising along and, uh, I'm not, am I, am I missing anything like too severe in terms of the plot here? And I before mean, I skip this kid, get right to this kill, I, I just go right to this kill because this is probably the one thing that sticks with me from the entire movie. And even yeah. rewatching it today, this is a gnarly, gnarly scene. It's one of the few scenes that I could say in cinema that has genuinely made me feel uncomfortable. So just a like a little catch up for most people. The movie starts with um, Todd and his wife or girlfriend, Kathy. Todd is the writer of the comic book series. He's the writer creator. Kathy is his girlfriend and or wife who is actually writing a book about the victims of the I-90 killer that the comic is based off of. They go on a road trip to a convention in, I think, in Manhattan, in New York. And along with them comes Ezra, played by Jay Baruchel, who's the producer of the comic. He's a distributor. Um, And then also you have um, Aurora, um, played by Niam Wilson, who is the illustrator. And they go on a road trip to a convention. And it's kind of a little bit of inspiration for for Todd to get juices flowing to find an ending to the series. And up until this point, all that really happens is they stop at this gas station. It's kind of this typical run-of-the-mill gas station. And there is a comic rack that is empty besides one weird comic. So they decide to um, treat the meth addict uh, guy who's working at the gas station who just plainly asks (laughs) <laughs> Throw down a Brewster. Do you have any meth? Meth. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's trying to hear bro. Um, <laughs> and they fill after they find a dead dog wrapped in barbed wire in a trash bag. Um, Can we pause right there for yeah. one moment? Because that scene, that was the only scene I was like, that doesn't <laughs> feel like a. That doesn't feel like that would play out like it did in real life because I feel like most people would see it it's like a golden retriever too it's like it's yeah. like america's animal <laughs> in my opinion it's right. a golden yeah. retriever to see it wrapped in barbed wire and like loose rippings of a trash bag like first of all aurora's drawing it which is i as you get into the film you kind of see her and then even todd that's kind of how they divulge their trauma in so many ways is through just their artistic qualities that they have but like her and and what's Todd's wife's name? I can't remember it off the. Uh, Kathy. That's right, Kathy. Yep, Kathy. Aurora and Kathy. They just kind of they react sadly to it, but like 
I would have, I'd be like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah. You know, it was very, it was like a quiet reaction to a dead dog. But that's all I wanted to say on that because I watched yeah. it and I'm going like, this doesn't feel normal as far as a reaction's <laughs> concerned. But because right. they, they kept shitting on America too, like, because they're from, I think, Canada, from I believe. Canada. Yeah. So they, and they kind of do this like Midwest, the, the heart of America tour essentially mm-hmm. is what it is and like they're just like oh, fucking everybody's i think they even allude to it in like the dialogue that like this is like a violent country and this is like a weird part of said country where like every american stereotype kind of lands here like yeah. they kind of allude to it a little bit in the car ride but continue i just wanted to point that part well, out yeah so they stop there they go through that incident and then todd is a guest on a radio show where the the host of the radio show was friends with one of the victims of the I-90 killer. Um, at the gas station, we see this random man walk into the gas station and pick up one of the Slasherman comics where he sees a kill called the Triptych, the which is yeah, basically three it. bodies that are tied together in this very Suspiria-esque fashion. Um and during the radio show, uh, right as Todd is walking out, basically after the host attacks him with this news that he was friends with one of the victims of the I-90 killer. And basically the whole central theme of the movie, which is you're kind of glorifying violence in real life in this comic book series. <clears throat> um, there are three kids living a hotel. A hotel, motel, Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. There we go. Uh, and they get followed by a van where the most horrific animal-like killing happens. And that's where Caleb's talking about. Yeah. Yep. So this one here is a super brutal scene. Um, and it... Uh, it doesn't say bye. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Bye. Hello. Goodbye. I, yeah. I advise you to watch this on YouTube when it comes out next week, because uh, this is going to be chock full of uh, of good visuals now that I have Zoom figured out. Uh, anywho, <laughs> this one uh, is one of the most unsettling, uncomfortable kills I think I've ever seen in cinema. And it's just the way that it's shot. Uh, it's the fact that there's no score. There is no background music. There's nothing. It's just the rain. It's these three young adults. This van pulls up behind them after they've gotten a flat tire. They get out. The guy's flashing his headlights like rapidly as they're sit- standing in front of his van in the rain. He's flashing the headlights right then and there. I'd be like, nope, I'm good. Go back to the go back to the van. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And you, and you hit on two things, I think, in this particular scene. One, the kill is unrelenting aggression, just shown, like, just complete. And you see him, like, literally pounding his chest, and, like, it's almost like he's arguing with himself, like he's trying he's, like, to fight an inner demon. I think he's, like, hyping himself up. He's like, he's like, this is what we play for. This is what we play for. And he's like, oh, it's yeah. like he's coming out of the tunnel in the Rose Bowl, except right. he's, <laughs> but he's, he's here to murder. But it's unrelenting aggression. And Caleb, to your point, I think what's cool about that particular scene is, is exactly that. It's how it's shot. Almost from like, it's almost like you are a viewer from the driver's seat and even the back seat. Like it kind of mm-hmm. toggles between the two. Right. Which exactly. is super intense because that's 
I mean, God forbid, if you were in a in that truck in that SUV, that's what that would look like as it was happening. Um, right. And even when he like goes to, he like stabs the girl in her in her thigh. The driver as she, she gets falls out. out and it cuts the leg open. Yeah, dude, that's that's intense. That's well, that's intense. my point. Is like usually in slasher movies, things are very orchestrated. Like usually the person would like get stabbed in the car the person in the backseat screams the driver has enough time to get out he kills you know what i mean it's very like or this is just pure he's stabbing the passenger he notices the girl in the driver's seat trying to get out he real quick like does a quick stab hits her in the leg as she falls out it shreds the thigh open yeah then he just goes right back to stabbing him again while reaching for the girl in the back seat like I the thing that bothers me the most in movies are animal attacks because they're so ferocious and it's like just this out of control just attack and that's what this scene reminded me of like the truck is shaking this guy is just swinging at everything that he can yeah stabs that passenger like 35 times stabs him through the hand too which was stabs him through the hand when he reads it goes through the hand like it is a brutal and then it just ends and you're like oh wow and then uh (laughs) viewers on youtube if you'd like to see the aftermath of what that is uh a day later um the gang uh the four uh, of our four our, our main leads uh they're strolling along and they see a roadblock and uh Conveniently, as they're driving by, it's all like crime scene. Which is cool, though. It's cool how they do that. Super, super cool. Very Um, neat. They get to see this beautiful sight. The triptych. triptych, uh, Which is like super fucked. Um, When you say the gang, I just think of the gang gets triptych. The gang gets gets triptych, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's looking looking pretty brutal, as we can see here in the picture behind us. Um, Yeah very uh like if anybody were to see something like this i mean it would just uh yeah you'd you'd have some fucking issues but they all see that and they know exactly that it's from the triptych uh, this is from the comic sorry to interrupt just real quick you're fine this is up there for me with the truck hit from devil's rejects Mm, oh yeah yeah yeah. it's like right up there with you know that scene so yeah yeah it's intense man it's intense and yeah and to your point chris very cool how they they kind of unwind the viewing of of that and that it's like a it's tarped over and like their car kind of forces the gust of wind and then it slow-mos to view it so like it's it's effectively like what it would be like to see a traumatic event like that happen because it gets burned in your brain and that's almost right. the way in which you'd view it. So, yeah, very cool. Showing and this is of- where the movie starts to, in my opinion, like it's only an eighty-one minute movie, so it, it's, it's right. short. It's right to the point. It literally leaves yeah. nothing unsolved. It it yep. just gets right down to it. And this is where the pace really, I think, catches up because from here. He has Todd has this whole thing in his mind of basically this kind of glorification of violence and how he's kind of been um, how badly he's looked at by people because of what he's done with this glorification. And he goes to a little kind of like meet and greet little sign thing. And this guy builds this truck that has just kind of a re 
um, like a recreation, like a, like a recreation of what this killer would do with bodies hanging and blood all over the floor and all of this stuff. And there's people wearing the welders mask that if you're watching this, you can see. Um, and it's interesting because I think this is where the movie kind of got me thinking. And I was like, damn, this is kind of like, obviously it never works out exactly this way. This is dramatized, but you do kind of wonder sometimes the glorification of violence and what that has in the real world. Um, But this leads up to all of them being at a hotel room. um, And basically he gets a phone call again from this guy that reads off three numbers and they don't know what it is. And Jay Baruchel's character is trying to convince them, you know, we should call the cops. Um, We know what that is. That's from your comic book. Like we drew that. Um, And Aurora steps outside the hotel room and goes to sit at this bench to just kind of smoke a joint and then uh, draw a little bit, just starts illustrating. And this has my favorite shot of the whole entire movie because right across the parking lot from her is this young girl just smoking a cigarette, hanging out. She's greeted by her boyfriend. We have no idea what these two have anything to do with it. She's been waiting for him for hours, supposedly. Um, she texts Ezra, Jay Barrichell's character, and says, like, oh, like, hangs out at the picnic table. Um, he falls asleep. And the truck that these two random people were waiting for pulls away. And we see that the van is there. And the truck that pulls away makes a left turn to leave the parking lot. And it, the headlight flashes over Aurora, where we see our killer running out of the shadows. So fucking sick. Yeah. Wild. And you can kind of, and it's good because it kind of gives, and if, especially if you watch hard, and it gives the implication like, oh, something's going to happen to Aurora. Just by her being out there and just alone. under this dim, alone in this dim light and pitch black dark behind her and in front of her, it almost feels like a a setup of sorts. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's where you get effectively what becomes the second emulation in terms of a kill compared to said comic book and poor old Aurora goes down and she even invites Jay's character, Ezra up. Yep, there it is. There it is. Unsuspecting, unsuspecting, but um, yeah, my favorite yeah. part is just, you see her hit the ground. And then you don't know. Well, he breaks her neck. I think yeah. first. he breaks her neck. She hits yeah. the ground, and then it's dark, and you see him lift his leg and do something, but you don't see it until Todd wakes up the next morning to flashing police lights at his window and opens the door, and here is the what I like to think of like the slight hereditary ripoff of her head. Yeah. Sitting yeah. basically in front of his doorway in the parking lot. Yeah, it was sick. I was just going to say, perfectly placed. Like, yeah, the, the 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 killer knew exactly where that head needed to go in order yeah. to get the most impact, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, Chris, to an earlier point, too, because I, I think it's not the last time it's told, but I think it's the most obvious is that comic book signing. Like, one... Todd doesn't do a very good job of explaining himself out of the situation of mm. what they accuse him of, which is taking advantage of horrible killings and really the, what befalls the, the victims, not only who are killed, but the, the families around them and what happens. Because I think they even mention 
the one girl who's killed her mother ends up like hanging herself because of the killing of how serious it was mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't do a good job of, of explaining himself out of it to the point where he doesn't feel like there's an implication there but i think too it does the overarching theme of this film does speak a lot upon the fact that like yeah where you know what is the moral compass or the moral responsibility of someone in this position? Like, is it, cause it does kind of leave the question. Is it the moral responsibility of him to take responsibility for the fact that he might be showcasing horrible acts and things and events or, Hey, is this just a capitalistic society? He's passionate about something. He's creative. And guess what? He can make a dollar off of it. Right. And now it's his career and he feels almost like, in a way he even kind of talks about it too with Kathy like he almost feels the implication just to do it because it's his job and it's what pays him so he feels the pressure of it all at the same time and and this is my biggest you know at this point in the movie we're halfway in you know we're rolling and my biggest gripe with this movie is at 80 minutes if you had given me like 15 more minutes of justifiable character moments I was just about to say that yeah Todd all of these characters are surface level like the ideas behind what they do are much deeper. The whole, what the movie is trying to say is much deeper than these characters come out to be because there is not a single character who handles themselves in a way that makes you feel like this is actually going on. Like Todd is just very ominous the whole time and very like, there's these flashbacks of a child and all this yeah. stuff you don't understand. And then there's that brief argument between his girlfriend or wife and him where he kind of thinks her idea to write about the victims is inspired by him. Like she's kind of very loosely like using him and his idea to do this other thing. And like, it just, the characters the whole entire time, I'm like, somebody needs to just talk a little bit more, like just, Give me a yeah. little bit more of this character. Todd and Todd and Kathy specifically, I think, it needed a bit more explanation into their background, right? Because, well, I mean, there's still some movie to get through, right? Because you have the Aurora killing, and that's when we it starts to unveil itself of the killer basically emulating the the comic book strips because he calls from Aurora's number after they leave the crime scene, after their question, because mm-hmm. Kathy goes in on Todd and it's like, this is your fault, you're to blame, like, which I thought was kind of an unfair response. It was. It, it, was, like, it, it was, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that feels like that's just heat of the moment type of deal, but it's like, you can't blame the guy for that. Like, right. clearly that wasn't his intent, and you can assume over how many issues he did of this comic book strip, this probably had to go on for like a decade or a little yeah. less if you had to assume, right? So like, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say that it's his fault. But he gets blamed for that, and then he gets the call from Aurora's number, and then it goes over the numbers, and they start... Well, Todd's already slightly onto it in the hotel room. Is, uh, well, you have the um, the police scene, which is my least favorite. Yeah. The interrogation. Yeah, where that was yeah. stupid. It's like the yeah. Midwestern lady pretty much outright blaming him. Yeah, like, you did for, this. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. It's weird because it is like that... It like you laugh because the cop is so over the top and like so ridiculous and it just felt like at this point in the movie the the writers were kind of like maybe they don't get what we're pointing at so we need to tell them what we're pointing at by having this character kind of pointed out yeah and I was yeah. like I, I don't need this like the cops if they didn't have anything to do with it 
the cops wouldn't have went through this whole interrogation. Because at the end, the cop is just like, uh, you know, hey, security footage says you're good. Well, and this would have been, picking I think, what they, oh, Caleb, are you, are you raising a finger? He's picking his nose. Oh, he's picking his nose. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know if this was like, I'm making a point, but he's got a little, he's got a little, he's got a little boogie. He's got a little yeah, boogie. No, what they could have replaced this scene with, I think, that would have been more useful, I think, to the movie. Take a mustache. Is, that's it. Dude. You got to, you got to draw a little stash. But uh, what would have been more useful is instead of this cop interrogation, this would have been a good time to kind of set the pacing of the movie back to square one and actually have Todd explain his connection, I think why he does the comics and why this killer is something he is so attached to in some way because it's it's not really explained until the end of the movie right but i think that would have ruined the ending i mean it certainly could have but they probably could have done the dialogue in which it hinted to it without giving the full effect away but i think it would have i think it would have done the storyline a little bit more justice to give some clues into it whether it's that hey maybe because you don't really know when you get the ending did did kathy know about what took place in his in his childhood right like even some semblance of understanding i think between the two of them would at least in my mind have wrapped up the ending a little bit better because i i got left with a little bit more questions i think than than answers to that where yeah, I just thought to, to everybody's. I think we're all in agreement here that the cop interrogation scene was a little, little overdone and yeah, irri- irritating. I think more than this anything. Is, this is where it comes full circle because you have them driving, obviously after Aurora's death, and they they're driving behind this family. Uh, there's a little girl in the back seat, um, and. His phone rings and it's that mysterious voice again, reading off three sets of numbers. Um, and he conveniently has a Bible in the glove box, um, pulls that out, thinks it's like a Bible verse, and then actually finds out that it's um, year, issue, and page of the comic book where they start digging through the comic books. They find that issue and it is the trailer, the family that gets killed. Yeah, and then this scene happens, and it's again, it just goes there, doesn't hold it, back. It doesn't, it does, and yeah, and then it's basically a getaway chase from that point, and then yeah, he's shooting at him. He's you know they're trying to get away, and Kathy's like screaming as she's like peeling out because she's the driver, and then they, I, I assume, and at least what it gives the input to look like is that they hit a ditch effectively. And then it's yeah. like a blackout. It was weird because know? he shoots out the window and that somehow makes them veer off the side of the road. I'm not really yeah. sure like how that like really happened, but hey, Well, whatever. Caleb, do you want to talk about what happened to the family? Because yeah. everybody watching this has seen the movie. So up until he starts shooting at them, what happens to the family? Yeah, so there's like this like family of three that like they try to warn like they get up alongside the family and they're like pull over pull over and they're like fuck you dickhead and <laughs> they pull away and then the van is just conveniently right there blocks the road family stopped now basically what happens is because they are our protagonists were following them now they can't back up they can't go forward and what happens is, is you have the uh, the welder gets out of the van and 
goes through that like hype phase where he's like hitting himself in the head and he's like pacing back and forth real fast and then he just unloads this like automatic rifle or no he unloads a pistol this, like, sh- a pistol like into the car and the wife gets out and like she's like all fucked up and like she gets takes two steps and you just see a bullet like fucking pop through her chest and then he goes up to the car uh, fucking opens the back door and shoots the kids in the back I mean, it's fucking brutal, dude. It is I love like, Jay Barrickle going. He shot the he shot the fucking kid. Yeah, yeah. He shot the fucking yep. kid. He shot the yep. fucking kid. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's, like that it's just intense. like it's it's very brutal. You don't really see like children death a lot in in horror, especially modern horror, because we all just you know that's not going to be it's not going to go over well. I mean, but. it was Noah saw on Precinct Thirteen, little girl getting ice cream shot, point blank yeah. head. <laughs> But yeah, you yeah, right. yeah, she the little girl gets shot and dies. Yeah. 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 And then the worst character decision, he pulls yeah. out an automatic machine gun, yeah. begins firing on them, and they decide the best thing to do is to back up and then basically K turn. Well they watch of- him just brutally fucking murder this family in, in cold blood. I would have just been like, I'm fucking yeeting this motherfucker into the van. I would have just been like, I'm gonna kill him right now. And I would have just floored the car as hard as I could have. Like, as the dad, like, in the family situation, I would have just ran into the guy. Just like, I mean, quick. you see a guy pacing in front of your car with a gun, he's going to kill you. Like, and that's make, what I ca- the, make the first move. And I, I kept saying it as I was watching that scene. I'm like, just someone just hit him, man. Just someone yeah. run into him. Just or run even, him over. Or even not the fucking, Chris, to your point, the K-turn, like we're in fucking driver school again. Yeah. All right, you got to look at both sides. Make sure you don't hit the curb. Look both ways. Your man's shooting at you. Turn. Like, yeah. they could have just shot it in reverse until they got fur- further enough was, away yeah. from him. You I, know? Was, yeah. I was just fucking backed up until I was out of, you know what I mean? Yeah, out of out of. And he's shot. a bad shot. Like, he nailed all them, that whole family with one bullet each, and yet he was just terrible with an automatic. Yeah, he couldn't do it. He was shooting everywhere. But. but I'm pretty sure he shoots Jay, Jay's character. I was just yeah. about to say that. I think his so. whole face is all fucking mangled in the dinner scene in the end. Like you see, like well, you hole. didn't see it. Yeah, he gets hit. He gets his head blown apart. Oh, okay. And he's laying in between them, and just the whole side of his face is just yeah, just white because they crashed into a ditch, and basically. <laughs> Uh, both of them kind of get knocked out for a second yeah. and wake up and Jay, Ezra's face is blown apart um, the guy takes both of them and this is my favorite part puts them both in the van and then just slops Ezra's body in the middle of them in the van which is always just so funny to me when they do yeah. that yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's uh that's kind of where like the it does get a little heavy there too like once they're he he gets them back to the junkyard and they they have the conversation todd and kathy of like kathy's like this is it it's a wrap like we're we're done for we're toast you know there's there's no coming back from this and todd's like now you gotta fight this yeah this whole conversation was just like so bizarre to me because kathy's just trying to like convince todd that they're gonna die and it's okay yeah. Like, what? No. Fuck that. Get out. Like fucking leave the scene. Like and Todd's like, "No, fuck that. I'm like we're getting out of here." Like um and then she's like, "No, no, no. It's fine. It's we're just going to die. It's it's totally cool. <laughs> yeah. We're dead. It's fine." 
And I'm just like, that's not, no, we're not doing that. So. And then we, the killer goes to the back of his van to retrieve them. And Todd comes blowing out of the back of the van. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, run, Kathy, run. Yeah. <laughs> no arms too. He's just full on shoulders. Yes. Yeah, he yeah, runs yeah. out of the back of his van with his arms side behind his back and tackles the guy. <laughs> yeah. So good. And she, uh, I mean, this actually, I think of all the kills, this one didn't sit well with me, which is effectively like Kathy's running away with her hands tied behind her back. He makes one good shot of like 16 no good shots in terms of it's just pinging off of every car that she's running by and it hits her in the leg. Same spot actually to where the first kill happens with the first girl getting stabbed. So clearly that shot in that area must leave you immobile pretty much very quickly to the point that she gets to what looks like a field and then what effectively is a highway because you can see the police officers zooming back and forth because they obviously do call 911 when they're in the car as he's killing the family or about to kill the family actually i think during the killing of the family um and now maybe you guys could chime in here on what it was because i didn't make it out real well but she's effectively trying to run to the highway and then runs into a branch that branch yeah shoots it, right it, like, impales her yeah yeah, yeah, it's like a broken. It's brain. It's kind of like the wood from Zombie in the eye scene. Yeah. And she just walks slowly into it, and then gets impaled, and then slowly backs off of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then she runs, and then gets tackled by him, and then which it's was an awesome tackle. I don't know if you saw how oh. awesome that tackle was. Yeah, that was a pretty rad tackle. That dude I'm impaled not, her, bro, and yeah. then flipped over her like that was brutal. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Total and I mean, she's the uh, most unfortunate death, I think, of the entire film because she's like, I won't scream for you. Like, I won't give you, of you. Yeah. the satisfaction, which you end, yeah. up fi- you end up finding out his satisfaction had nothing to do necessarily with the killing as much as what the ending of the movie based it off of. But it was just like, damn, that sucks because you're you're kind of my whole hope in the film to this point was that there'd be some sort of. Because I kind of knew Ezra and Aurora were they were they were going to get killed off. I had no doubt about it when I started. Yeah. Um, but I was hoping Kathy and Todd would have some sort of like I don't want to even say hero arc because that's probably not the best phrasing. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping they would have some vindication in that like he would sort of right his wrongs a little bit of what he's been accused with, and then obviously Kathy could kind of have her moment to shine and to not be a victim in mm-hmm. some way and give, you know, I kind of wanted there to be more of that, but that's not really what this film is at the end of the day. I think it's a, it's a little bit more of a grim, gloomy outlook on things, but it is. Yeah. It's very dark, very yeah. dark. Yeah. And this is the point where we don't really know what happens to her because Todd waits yeah. after getting the shit knocked out of him. Um, and basically goes to look for her. And this is where I think the movie takes a weird leap where he just shows up at his old house like I don't know where the house was in relation to the junkyard yeah we we don't know any of that but the movie dives into the backstory more uh, where we learn that the first victim victim zero was actually Todd's mother and he was there when it happened and he actually knows who the killer is and there's these weird 
scenes of the guys welding something and stares at the kid. Yeah. And then the mother is at a church choir and she's singing and he's in the audience recording with the camera and turns the camera to just point it at the kid. Um, and there's all this weird stuff and he ends up at his family home, which we passed earlier in the movie unbeknownst to us so that that was the original house. And this is where the gut wreath is on the door, which is like one of my favorite things because you, Erica, Erica asked me, she's like, why did you just throw up? And she's like, Oh, there's guts on the wreath. There's guts on. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And there's guts everywhere. Actually there's guts on the Christmas lights hanging up all over the house. There's a lot of guts in this. Yeah. house. When he walks in. There's a whole lot. And that scene, it's almost like a, a kind of weird quasi ode to like, Texas Chainsaw because like they're all at the dinner table mm-hmm. and it's all the mutilated bodies of his friends and when we to your point find out that Kathy has effectively been killed because she's she's set in the chair and bound in like a prayer position and he's holding her head like Kathy you're okay so you kind of like oh maybe she's still alive and then you look down and she's disemboweled as mm-hmm. her they're pouring out of her and you're like oh it's clearly a wrap at this point and you have ezra with his half blown face open sitting upright uh i believe is aurora there too there's no head no head yeah her the the whole torso effectively is there and then that's when obviously to your point all these flashbacks happen now one thing that does happen throughout the course of this film is they have these weird like little moments where they flash to the kid and to the mom I don't know if they flash to the killer slow-mo. I think they do a couple times with his welder mask on, but not flipped open for well, the movie. He flips it up when he's welding. And yeah. He like zooms in. And then you also see him in the church when he's recording as right. well. Right. So there's like these little hints and flashbacks to it. And like, as Todd kind of goes off in thought, I'm guessing. So basically to kind of, to wrap it all up at this point, you, he walks into the house that everybody's sitting there as I mentioned he sees Kathy is now dead and then the killer's sitting at the head of the table and effectively mm-hmm. proclaims that you know all of these killings he had, he had killed for so long but after noticing that Todd had done these, these comic books number one you see as his mom is being killed he's drawing to kind of avoid the situation that's happening in front of him mm-hmm. which the killer loves that because he's like no one's ever drawn me before yeah and that effectively like saves todd's life unbeknownst to todd until the killer tells him like i was going to kill you before i saw this drawing and, and took it with me as like a memento of sorts and then he's like i followed your comics the entire way i knew exactly who you were and exactly what this was all about and he's like it 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 fed me to well i killed him. and i think he even mentions like the comic books stopped him from killing until yeah, he realized were, it was his legacy was living on yeah. in the deaths in the comics. That's why he didn't have the need to kill anymore. Right. Cause he's like, I know my purpose now. And this was effectively to your point, the legacy through the comic book that was wildly popular. And he's like, until I found out that you were having trouble finishing the ending. And he's like, here it is. This is the ending. And yep. effectively he like, gets close to me he's like you have to kill me and this is how it's going to end which how do you guys feel about that him well, killing 
I felt like he was setting him up. I mean, that's what it was. It was like, it's good. This is, if you kill me, it's going to be like the perfect ending to your film, which is going to be everybody thinks you're fucking crazy. I never really existed. I mean, I did, but like not as a killer. Everyone's going to think you were the I-90 killer or, you know, or, or at least a copycat. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know the original you know killer's plan was for him to kill him and then that's just that and everyone's gonna see like you know all these fucking bodies everywhere and like you know his his prints are gonna be on a knife now but instead he's like nah fuck that and burnt and went down with this sinking ship you know set the house on fire and shit and if uh, it doesn't really properly show but it looks like he stays in the house and burns down with everybody yeah, I mean, I like, him leaving the house. I like the idea of the killer kind of feeling like I'm responsible for your success. Like, like what I did yep. to you prompted you to do this. My legacy has lived on, and now I need to write your ending. And he even like he's even giving himself credit. He's like, look what I've done. Like, look how perfect this ending is. Yeah. And the house that he's made. And there's this sense of, like, entitlement with him of, like, I am personally responsible. And the only way I can figure out how to end your comic series that I inspired is this is the ending I basically wrote for you. Yep. Um, and I do... <clears throat> I do like that Todd, you know, takes a knife and slices his neck. Um, yeah, that's brutal. I, was. I like the idea. Um, I think that him burning himself, which would I assume happens when he, he dies in the house. Um, I think it's kind of like a wasted ending in a, in a slight sense. Like I felt like it was kind of just like, okay, this is the easiest way to wrap this up. I would have preferred to have like seen the movie head more into like the trauma territory. Like all of this is based around the trauma that this kid endured as a child, because realistically, um, I'm sure in real life he wouldn't have been charged for any of the murders because they would have gone back to somebody had to call the police or something right when he was a child in a house yeah with a oh. murderer and like they already literally 20 minutes before they said uh, yeah we checked the security camera we know you didn't kill this girl so like I, I think it's kind of a leap of logic to be like, yeah. oh, I, I'm going to get blamed for all of this. I would have loved for it to head into some, even if he ended up in like a home, like some sure. sort of psychiatric thing. But like, I don't know. It's our ending's all right. That's. I think that's the the part that because I think this film was good throughout until the ending, where I was I was hoping it would tie it in more. Because one, there was a leap of logic in, in the assumption based on his childhood. You're like, okay, we obviously realize he was a essentially a victim of mm-hmm. this he was one of the first killings that the serial killer did but you don't ever get the indication you kind of just have to assume like okay well does did ezra know that as his you know distributor did kathy know that as his longtime girlfriend that he had suffered from this or is it you know he has buried this so deeply that it's one of those things that happens with real trauma that you don't acknowledge what's happened even to your past. So it's almost like your brain's way of coping with it that you kind of forget that it even existed, right? Like yeah. it doesn't give too clear of a description on, on either Good of call. those. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's the only thing I was hoping that there'd be more clarity around that. 
Um, and I also thought too, like I said earlier, I, I was hoping that there would be some sort of, I always like the redemption with, with type of stuff. And I, I felt like it kind of, the killer in a weird sense, got his way, which, you know, it'll, I think is unique because you don't see a lot of films that do that, right? Like yeah. the killer laid out his masterpiece in a typical egotistical fashion, which most, well, all killers are, there's egotistical sociopaths psychopaths but it's like he 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 got his way at the end of the day even though he was killed and there was a payoff it's like well that's what he wanted to happen so that Mm -hmm. that was kind of the bummer i think of it all which again i think was the film's intent which it did it right but the the only piece that i was hoping for a little bit more color if you will and that's like to just kind of like give my um like sum up thoughts this movie is basically everything that I want out of every slasher movie as far as the slasher elements. Like, the kills in this are... It's like somebody's holding a knife to your temple. They're so brutal, and they have impact. Like, this is a movie that, whether or not you think the characters are good or whether or not you like the ending, like, it sticks with you for a little bit. Because I remember when I first bought it, um, I didn't watch it on Shutter when it came out. I bought it when it came out. Uh, when RLJ put it out on Blu-ray, I bought it. Um, I just remember like feeling that when I was all done, I was like, holy shit. Like I felt every bit of that. And it wasn't really until I watched it again that I really start to notice like, okay, these characters are a little like weakly written. Like they're just kind of not fully, I'm still questioning. I'm like, it, does he, does Todd even remember what happened to him as a child? Because I can't tell whether he can or can't. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're looking at an 81 minute slasher and this is how I wish most of these lower budget slashers would approach their material. Cause at the end of the day, when you turn on a movie like this, you're not looking for like incredibly well-developed characters and all this stuff. You're just looking for, for straight, uh, you know, brutality and that delivers on every front and in my opinion there hasn't been a movie that 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 is this brutal in the killings like i'm starting to see it in like the most recent scream movie where you know hollywood is kind of falling back and they need to have a little bit more impact behind the violence even though if there isn't as much and that's this you feel every kill there's an emotional resonance with everyone and there's not just like bodies just like there's a head that was just there on Caleb there's like an impact behind every one of them and the way that they're shot and the way that they're done <laughs> he's just slowly uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> at the end of the day I mean I, I still love this movie I think this is one of the most underrated slashers of the 2020 forward period yeah I, I would agree with that I think uh, as much as I like kind of I don't want to say talk negatively on the storyline I think that's just kind of, we've talked about it before on episodes. That's where I'm always kind of pushed into a lot of the time, which you could argue a lot of those slow burner films are exactly that. They're boring, they're dull, which is kind of where I fall into that, I think, from a storyline perspective. But no, I think there's a lot of unique, very cool elements to this film for a slasher. I think the killings are right on brand. I think they're super intense. Like I said, unrelenting aggression. Like, mm-hmm. Just, it's probably as real as what a killing would actually be in real life, right? I think yeah. if 
no punches there and i think it does it well i think i actually do think the storyline is a very unique perspective i mean it's and on one end it's a social commentary of like hey society do we look at really what's i mean it's and it's a prime ex- and it's a great time to actually review this film as we go through the popularity and rise of Dahmer, the mm-hmm. netflix this is a perfect example of things that i think this film's trying to comment on which is hey like do we glamorize these things too much because it's a shock and awe factor and it know it we know it pulls ratings and we know there's an innate savagery in human beings that we're just attracted to right mm-hmm. i think it has a very cool story arc and i think it plays on those things well i think like we said earlier because it's only an 81 minute film if this could have been 90 to 100 minutes i think I think they would have been able to knock it out of the park and who knows they might have like a direct i don't do they have a director's cut version of this or anything i feel like they would but you know maybe no. not. but then it's also like to your point like even though i was the one who first said like initially said like oh like if you had given me 15 more minutes of character like i know i said that on this episode but at the same time i don't know if i would feel the same about this movie if it was any longer than 80 yeah. minutes because that's one of the things that i love about it is like you have a loaded gun to your head for 81 minutes and it's just so fast. It just moves. Yep. Yeah. So if, if you drag it out a little bit for character, does it have the same impact? impact? You know what I mean? I mean, and you could look that like a lot of like B-rated slashes of the 80s. Like I just watched Sleepaway Camp 3 a few days ago. That movie is like an hour and 15, hour and 20. Now granted, yeah. two different types of things here, but again, in the slasher genre, but exactly that like quick and it's digestible like you know mm-hmm. you get through that and like a, like it could be 8 30 right now and if i'm a guy who goes to bed at 10 i'm like oh shit i could fit this in easily yeah. enough not that i think i'd want to and then try to go to bed after this i don't know right. sleep i don't know I, I do that shit. I do that yeah shit maybe though maybe but you know yeah i mean to your point yeah who knows it might not have it might have negatively impacted the the storyline right mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a catch-22. It's a 50-50. You never know until you right. see it. But, yeah. Well, let's I see. I, uh, you know, and, and in terms of what you guys are saying, um, you know, this is a this is an incredibly brutal film. Um, I don't think it needs the extra added content. I think that the explanations that are given kind of get unveiled towards the end. Uh, you get brutality, gore, um, a lot of, like, uncomfortable... Um, sequences that happen throughout the film kind of gives you a reverse image look on how society views you know to piggyback off what you said tyler you know society views these things and idolizes these things in a in a light that they're not supposed to be idolized in you know they're to to, they're to tell a story not necessarily to be um glamorized so um great time with with the Dahmer subject there too for sure um which i think we should do an episode on uh for subscribers only we talked about it last week um only What's that? Only fans. We should start. Well, it we got a Patreon now, dog. We got. We, oh, that's true. And we got the Patreon. So that's we just we ha- I haven't we haven't we haven't made any content for it just yet, but we will. Don't worry. Um, so that being said, I think that this is a uh, I think this is a four point five out of five for me. Um, uh, just because the point five I'm taking away is for. Um, uh, Kelly, right? Yeah. Kelly. Isn't that her name? Kelly? No. Kat. 
Yeah. Kathy, thank you, Kay. Kay, Kay, Kay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kathy, uh, for her reaction in the van, um, I'm deducting 0.5 for her reaction in the van of going, we're going to die and it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I think this is a great movie. Anybody wants a movie to watch, um, this is the one. Uh, it, it, it was streaming on Shudder exclusively. I think it's on other platforms now, um, aside from Shudder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think um, it's like Shudder. I know it's a Shudder really distributed movie yeah. so i think like shutter amc plus and then sure. it's um it's on blu-ray uh via rlje films okay cool uh chris what's your uh what's your rating for this brother um i go like 3.95 okay just, just because like i said this movie has uh, such an impact and i mean dude more of these comedy icons need to start moving into the genres that they personally love because what comes to mind again a movie that i personally love is dave franco's directorial debut the rental oh yeah which like the rental is fantastic and again somebody who's coming from comedy um i think that that we need more of this because hopefully jay baruchel stays in horror and for a first time filmmaker blew it out of the water man yeah um tyler what about you buddy yeah, no, I'm not far off. I think I'm like I'm probably three seven five. Okay. Out of five. I think, um, like I like I mentioned already, I think some of the storyline I, I could have used a little bit more clarity on uh, on some things. But I think at its core, for what it was, I think it's I think it's great. I think the to the point of the impact of the killings, they stay with you, they linger. Uh, the intensity, the pace in which this is filmed, that to be able to still encapsulate all of that storyline in an hour and twenty minutes is. I mean, that's just, that's great directing. That's great script rating, in my opinion. Um, Chris, to your point, I think, yeah, there definitely needs to be more of that crossover because I think comedy and horror are very much intertwined, right? Like, you know, reality is like anytime you go through horrific events, there has to be that comedy to kind of take the pressure and intensity off of what's happening mm-hmm. to give me and a film some levity. Um, so, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that he stays in the realm of what he's doing. I think it's absolutely a great directorial debut. Uh, I'd love to see more of what he comes in with. I think, I don't know, who was, who was the, who were the producers on this film? Do we, do we know? Are they, are they in the horror canon? Um, bit or? I mean, distribution by Shudder. So they've really, you know, yeah. they picked this up really quick. Um, as far as cast go, or as far as um, your crew so goes, there's a ton. Dude, there's 15 producers listed. Jay Barrettel being the number one. Um, executive producer Matt Cade, who, yeah, horror, comedy, kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah. There's very few, outside of like most of the Blumhouse guys, like Ryan Turek, um, you know, uh, Jason Blum, all those guys, and, and a bunch, a few other names. There's not really a ton of producers who are strictly okay. In. Motherfucking fun ass fucking fact. Holy shit. <laughs> IMDb tells me that Jay directed Alexis on Fire's Sweet Dreams of Otherness music video. <laughs> there you go. That's, That's fucking tight. Um, is- he also directed a Trailer Park Boys episode. Hell yeah. That tracks. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so... All right, cool, guys. Well, we got the ratings in. Um, I think overall, between all of us, this probably sits at a four average between the three of us. Uh, guys, I have I have collectively... Not collectively. This is, this is a... Uh, 
had the decision that I've gone out and made on my own. All right. And I've made it for the show. All right. So we were having a little chat earlier talking about how you, the listeners, really seem to drive more towards the bigger franchise films. And that's just seems to be what you guys like soaking up. So I'm not even going to tell you guys what this is. I'm just going to run the trailer. All right. And uh, we'll go from there. But this is what we're going to be watching next week, guys. Here is the trailer once I have it ready to fucking go here. Billy, you check the other two. Make sure they're wired up good. A lot of good they're doing. disabled out on East 9. Anyone read me? It's gonna be dark in about an hour. There's something going on out here. I don't like it. Every 23rd spring. What's it doing up there? For 23 days. I had a dream. He was trying to warn all of us. This thing has been around for thousands of years. Nothing has been able to kill it. It gets to eat. There are two classes of people now. What the will be eaten and the won't be eaten. Welcome to day 23. We thought it was trying to come in. This freaking thing was making sure we couldn't get out. It isn't dead. Looks dead to me. Jeepers Creepers 2. Here we go. Oh, wait, Tyler, you gotta get back in here, dog. Where you at? Oh, you're all the way up there, bro. What the fuck is this? Real small. Oh, oh shit, dude. I'm in the, the mouth. Hell? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. My fucking, my fucking phone died in the middle of it as I was making a great oh, point. Yeah, you were. Yeah, get, get what was the scene it. you were talking about? Yeah. Well, so I thought this was the first one, and I was more surprised <laughs> that when he's throwing the body in the well as they're driving by, and he like stops and looks at him. That oh, yeah. that particular scene in the first flick is for. Haunting as a young boy, as a as a, a fresh-faced nine-year-old boy. Beating Two moments you. in Jeepers Creepers too. First of all, the beginning with the kid in the field that gets abducted. Yep. Uh, that always freaks me out. And then my favorite is when uh, the kid on the bus gets the wings wrapped around him. Oh, and dude. When yeah. it reveals he has no head, but he's still swinging. Yeah. His body's still punching, and that's yeah, it's just great. This yeah, great scene. And talk about. After this film, though, what a fall off. They just put out Jeepers Ugh. Reborn, and I heard it was, like, god-awful. 
dog shit I heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll have to not talk about that one on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with a final thought. Let's uh, Jerry Springer and um, so. Make sure you listeners, viewers on the YouTubes, rate, review, subscribe on all the motherfucking shit you're listening and watching on. Do it all. Do it all. Do it all. We're going to be doing a giveaway coming up here soon because we're almost at 2,000 followers on the Instagram. So make sure you follow us on there at Tapehead Massacre. We're on the TikTok at Tapehead Massacre Podcast. Follow us on there for spooky ass fucking shit, movie recommendations and all the good bullshit. Uh, Chris, where can they find you at? Um, so I am at Bearded Film Guy. Sick, Tyler. What is your handles if you'd like people to follow you? Yeah, don't fucking follow me, you guys. Stay away from me. Don't know about my life. I'm just kidding. It's Green Dot. Oh, fuck. What is it? Three Eleven, bro. <laughs> you love Three Eleven. Three One One Two. Come find me. Yeah, dude. Or don't. Yeah, he, don't follow. He loves Three Eleven. Yeah, I do love Three Eleven, dude. It's fucking. You got to come original. Yeah, right? Amber is the color of my energy, as they say. That's the fact. So. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to talk Jeepers Creepers 2. And then don't forget, October 16th, we have our viewing party slash Chris's birthday as an audible play. And then December 10th, we are going to be in Allentown, Pennsylvania for Jason Takes PA. We talked about it last week. Make sure you guys tune in. We will be talking with the one, the only Kane Hodder of uh, Jason Voorhees and Victor Crowley fame. We'll see you guys next week for another fucking crazy fucking episode. Bye. Late losers. Goodbye.